kids through our church, from kids' church, from toddlers and all that, and then taking them through to youth, to young adults, and then anchoring themselves in the house of God. As we've seen, you know, in, even in my season here as pastor, which has been significant, it's been 13 years, nearly 14 years, and we've seen that uh, the, the, the national statistics of young people falling away from church, we'd be no better off than the national statistic. So we're not doing that well. We're not doing any better than anyone else. We're actually on a par with every other church, every other denomination where people have grown up through the church, get to an age, and then they say, I'm checking out of this faith business. But I want us to change that trend. I don't want us to look back in five years, three years, and say, we've done nothing. So I want to just share with you guys as uh, people who are here tonight to hear something. Um, I'm going to give you a, a solid word, but I also just want to bring a little bit of direction, a little bit of vision to you today. So it's, happened, it's come on me since Father's Day, a burden that I've never felt before for, for generations, for different ages of people. And as I've been thinking about it, I felt the Holy Spirit gave me something as I was traveling back from Adelaide on the plane, um, a little bit of strategy, which is very unusual for me, but uh, I want to share with, it, with you tonight if that's okay. But this is what I want us to see. Um, go to Isaiah 11 verse 8. I think it might be on the screen, so I'm not sure. But th these are the kind of things that, that God was putting in my heart. And then on Wednesday morning at the early morning prayer meeting, God began to, to put this scripture on my, on my heart. It says, the baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. I love the, the older versions where it says in the, in the home, of, uh, um, it says the nest of an asp or a viper in some versions. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Everyone say asp. I think that's a cool word for a snake. Uh, and then it says in verse 9, nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. So I just want us to, to see that as a vision perspective of what babies in the house of God can be like. They're spiritual, they're powerful, they're, they're able to handle things that will kill other people. Do you understand where I'm coming from? This is a spiritual perspective. We're not going to have a snake pit in church just to test this. We're talking about spiritual things of a spiritual nature that, we, that can easily poison us and destroy us and destroy generations of young people, but rather we're going to say, hey, they're going to live safely by the snake pit. So we must realize that there is an enemy, just like a snake, just like an asp. Everyone say asp, I love that word. Just like an asp or a viper who can ruin our young people or decide, we can decide to be a church whose young people are immune to the satanic influences and are not harmed they are our kids. They are our best field of ministry. And I want us to change gears in the life of the church to start to realize what's really important to God. And he said, don't, don't stop the children coming to me. Because the disciples were even saying, get the kids out of here. They're, they're, they're not the real deal. But we need to, uh, 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 I think it's happening in my heart, is having a, a desire shift to start to say, we need to, we need to recognize and see our best fields of ministry are, are here in our church already. 
but there is even more kids out that we haven't met yet. Now, we can't control the vipers. We can't control the cobras that are all around us, that are out there. But we can raise a generation with faith filled with the Holy Spirit to make them the winners and not the snake. See, we've got a challenge as a church in these days. Are we going to let the devil be the winner, the snake, or are we going to say we're going to raise up a generation of winners who crush the snake's head? Are you getting excited for this tonight? So it says there in verse 19, here's the remedy. For the waters will fill the sea. You know, the sea is always filled with water. It's saying like, in God speak, it's like, duh. I used to read this and go, what do you mean there's the water fill, fill the sea? It's like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's saying, hey, this is elementary, dear Watson. As the waters fill the sea, fills, the sea's always filled with water. So the earth, this is God's plan for the earth to be filled with people who know the Lord. And we need to, we need to be training and teaching and inspiring a generation of young people to know the power of the Lord, to know the authority of this man who is Jesus. So we want to be working on a deliberate flow between all kids' ministries to bring kids through as they grow. You see, we have toddlers, we have kids' church, we have one-up, we have youth, we have young adults. And the gap between each of those brackets, unfortunately, are disconnect points for people. It's, a, it's the, the, the turning point in their life where they say, well, I've got to move up, I've got to change rooms. It's as simple as that. And some, some young person can think, well, I, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable about myself, especially when they're coming into that teenage kind of year. I'm feeling uncomfortable about myself. So in between that gap between moving from kids' church into a youth environment, that's my checkout zone. We don't want that to be like that for the future, we want disconnection points to be connect points. And we do that by imparting vision for their life, imparting a purpose of God and a godly perspective into their future. And that comes by impartation, not by coloring in with crayons in, in kids' church. Although that's fun too, because it's all on the wall sometimes, but that doesn't matter. Kids' workers are like, oh, it wasn't me. I wasn't on that day. But as parents, not just as parents, as a community, as a church, do what you can to demonstrate life as a believer. This is significant for parents. As a believer, as a servant, as a kingdom builder, be a faith builder, be a spirit-filled believer. <clears throat> Don't do what my dad did. His, his thing was, you want to go to youth group, go yourself. Get there yourself, get home yourself. It's like, yeah, that's okay. It's like four kilometers walk. Thanks, Dad. And, and then and we had a youth group where the youth leaders would say, I mean, I, I, don't, I think they really didn't like us that much. I don't know why they were there. But, you know, they, they would do lessons on, on hygiene. I mean, because none of us used to like to have showers. It's like, what? What do I want to wash my hair for? My sister would say to me, Rob, you need to have a shower. Go and wash your hair. And I'd go, so she'd be on my back, I'd go in the bathroom, turn the shower on and just stand around there, <laughs> then turn the shower off and then walk out. And she'd go, did you even get in the shower? It's like, what's the matter with you? I'm, I'm 13 years old, we don't wash. 
Only dirty people have showers. But you know, those youth leaders, we would walk there, me and my brother would walk from Rosanna to Heidelberg, go to this little, little church building and, and go to youth group meetings and, and do all this cool stuff. And then at the end of the night, no one would think, hey, you guys need a lift home. We would walk all the way home again in the dark at night. And, and that was just a culture. And somehow, though, through those times, some of God got on me. Some of God got in me. And, and there were times where I think, I don't know if I really want to go, but it was better than staying home doing nothing. But you know something? We have to be, as, as the people of God, as a church, as, particularly as parents and youth pastors and kids workers and anyone else involved with, with generations, is to be saying, I'm not here to, to make that, to, to, as, as they're not here as inconveniences to me. But I want to do all that I can to impart something of the Spirit of God into their world, into their lives. And you don't do that on Sunday morning. That's not restricted to the, the youth program on Sunday night or whenever it is that you meet. It's about a generational connection. But you know what, as parents, get your kids into, into kids' church. Get your kids to church. Get them into one-up and youth. So most pastors I talk to around the state lament the fact they don't have kids leaders. I know of at least probably four pastors in the state who are the ones doing the youth group in their church because they've got no leader who will say, oh, I will see the youth group, these young people, and they've got young people in their church. And it's the pastor and their wives in, in, in at least three churches who are the ones sacrificing to, to do a youth program for the kids in their church. Maybe I need to preach this message in their churches and get people to understand the great tragedy that is. Not that the, the pastors are doing it, but there should be others who say, I want to impart into a generation. Because we don't want to take for granted that we have generations. And, and we don't want to take for granted the generations, that, the, the teams that serve our generations for granted. We should... We should be honouring our youth pastors. We've got uh, Claire and, and Chloe here tonight. We've, we've got one of our youth t uh, um, kids' team here tonight. Sorry if I've missed anyone, but uh, Alicia in, in toddlers, and I saw Kirsten somewhere. She's hiding. She's here. I heard that. I see that hand. But we should be honouring them. We should be, we should be encouraging them. Unfortunately, most of the stories I hear back from time to time, it's not every, every time or anything, but are people complaining about the programs. Keep people who will quickly tell you what they, their dissatisfaction level is. But not too many people will say, thank you, Pastor Josh. Thank you, Pastor Claire. Thank you, kids worker, for, for sacrificing your time, for preparing something for my family. Because it's not a... It, the thing is, what we don't want to do is we don't want to run, you know, like, like just programs. They do part. But what we, want to want, what we want to aim for is called discipleship. See, the aim is discipleship, to impart spiritual content that creates disciples and ministries for life. That's, you're going to hear that a lot from me. We want to disciple, impart spiritual content to every part of these generations that creates disciples and ministries for life. 
so that kids flow through our church and become disciples and, and they minister for life. That's kingdom stuff. It's not saying, oh, we keep them all in our church, but doing more than Sunday school lessons. It's living relationships that make disciples. It's, I'll say that again. It's living relationships that makes disciples. What happens away from Sunday? What happens away from Friday night? Or whatever time your, your program runs. It's what happens away from that. That you invest into other people's lives. So it's stepping into new creativity with that. It's stepping into new ways of, of extending ourselves into the lives of a generation so that they can know God as the waters fill the sea. See, the, the thing the world needs today is people filled with the knowledge of the Lord. So <clears throat> whenever God has a plan, it starts with a child. Whenever God's done something amazing, it starts with a child. And the devil tries to destroy that child. I could go through the Bible and show you uh, so many stories, but the easy ones are Moses, where his whole generation of boys were thrown into the Nile River. Baby born, throw him in the river. The crocodiles will eat him. And God, uh, you know, the enemy knew something was up. The serpent, the devil, the asp, he knew that something was going to happen, but he wanted to keep the people of Israel in custody, in bondage in Egypt. And so when he knew something was brewing, he says, let's throw every baby Israelite and drown them or have them eat by, eaten by crocs in the river. We have Jesus himself and Herod. <clears throat> orders every, every baby boy under the age of two to be killed. You see, God had a plan of deliverance through Moses, even when he was a baby, and the devil tried to take him out. God had a plan to save the world through Jesus while he was a toddler, and the enemy tried to take him out. See, the enemy always goes after the generations that God wants to use the most. It's no coincidence that today that we're killing unborn babies en masse like never before. Like never before in history. You think what Herod did was cruel? You think what, what, uh, uh, what Pharaoh did was cruel? What's happening today in the Western world and beyond is far greater than any of that. And what that tells me is there's a generation of young people who are going to be full of the Holy Spirit. As the waters fill the sea... So the earth will be filled with a generation of young people who are going to change the, the trajectory of heaven. And we need to realize, we need to start to gear for that. And we need to say, well, heck, what's going on if the enemy wants to destroy this generation so badly? Why are we asleep in the church not, not energizing them? Not, not doing all that we can to create a generation of of people of the Spirit who will fill the earth with the power of God. Not waiting till they grow up, but empowering them where they are. Because God has a plan of deliverance for the earth. I tell you, God has a plan for our kids, for great things to come from them. We should be expecting spiritual, supernatural children with faith and passion who love the Lord 
love the house of God and get a desire for the destiny. See, we can't stop the viper, but we can equip kids to play with cobras and not be harmed. So they can go into the darkness of the dark. They can just be living their life as a child and say, you know, the devil tried to take me out. I, was, I had poison all around me, but you know something? I had the victory because of this man called Jesus. The authority of this man called Jesus in my life. See, Joel 2, verse 28 and 29, one of my most favoritest of verses. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I want to tell you something. In these days are those days that God was talking about. <laughs> I love that. In these days are those days that God was talking about. He promised to pour out his spirit. So we believe and expect to see our children doing spiritual things. It's prophesied for these days. We are in the afterward days. See, today, I just read, the mark. I, I, I believe, I want you to be warned, the mark of the beast is coming. I know that because the Bible tells us that. But an Australian bank today announced that by November 2024, they're going to be completely cashless. That's one bank. And I believe that over the next few months, you'll find that nearly every bank will say the same thing. We've got one, but then everyone else will have to jump on the bandwagon. They jumped in first, got the first, got the first announcement to say, hey, we're so progressive, we're going. There's going to be no bank uh, money in our bank from November 2024. But you watch, and I'll be very surprised to see if we don't see in the next few months, every other major bank in Australia say the same thing. So that you go, well, what's that got to do with anything? See, we know from, from Bible prophecy of the end times, of the, the days in which we now live, that, that we will have no need for cash because the, the, the enemy wants to control our lives and it says that no one will be able to buy and sell without a mark, without a, a, a I don't know how it's going to roll out, a microchip or something, or whatever it is, doesn't matter. But there'll be a monetary system that doesn't rely on money, a financial system. But it will be cashless so that you, you can't be part of it unless you are marked. And we need to be aware of these things. It's found in the book of Revelation. You can read all that yourself, Revelation 13. But <clears throat> I, re I really believe there is a coming back of people. Many people who have been lost to us are coming home. Now, I'm not meaning today every person who has ever left the church, but I'm talking about a generation of people who have been squandered from the house of God that God is going to call back, that Jesus is going to meet again, that Jesus is going to say, will you come back? And as we begin to see those people come into the house of God, you know what you say? You don't go, oh, where have you been? I know what you've been doing. You say, welcome back. We love you. Welcome to the house of God. Welcome back into the house of God. What can we do to help you grow? That's what we say. We, we, we don't be the judge who says, well, you know, what, what are you doing here? We know what you've been doing. But there's coming back many who have been lost to us are coming home, lost to the church. It says in Jeremiah 31, 17, a prophecy. So there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. 
your children will return to their own land. See, believe me tonight for the return to the Lord's house. And I don't know who they are. I don't know where they've been or what their circumstances have been. But I know that God is wanting to restore things in the last days back to himself. And he's gonna, we're going to see people returning to the house of God who had departed. Maybe before our time, maybe during our time. I don't know. And, and maybe it's not just back into this church or fellowship. But they're coming back to the kingdom of God. Believe me tonight, the return of the Lord's house is coming. Again, in Zechariah 10, verse 7 to 10, it says, The people of Israel will become like mighty warriors, and their hearts will be made happy as if by wine, not by wine, as if. That's the wine of the Spirit. Don't go take a license to that. It says, Their children too will see it and be glad. Their hearts will rejoice in the Lord. When I whistle to them, they'll come running, for I have redeemed them from the few who are left. They will grow as numerous as they were before. Though I have scattered them like seeds among the nations, they'll still remember me in distant lands. They and their children will survive and return again to Israel. Israel is a picture of the church. So I believe it's a prophecy that we're going to see in these days People coming back, seeking out things that they have walked away from. Verse 10, I'll bring them back from Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will resettle them in Gilead and Lebanon, basically good places, until there is no more room for them all. Can I have the musicians come and join me again, please? <clears throat> See, I'm claiming this promise for generations of young people. I want us to have a um, a generation's team. I don't quite know what we're going to call it. But I believe we, we need to develop a team of people who work on the transitions between every part of our church. We had a meeting already this week with a few of our team, our, our kids areas teams. But I believe we need to extend that a little bit further. And we work together as a church. We work together co corporately, all of us, but particularly those teams, in a way that we don't, we, we don't, miss discipleship opportunities so I'm claiming this promise it starts with making it's that, that promise there in Zechariah started with making people mighty warriors with hearts that are glad with hearts that are glad to be serving God and maybe tonight you may not be feeling all that mighty but you'd be willing for Jesus to do something in you for Jesus to use you for something greater that perhaps you've never thought about or, or saw before. See, the prophecy of the lost generation coming home is our promise. It's what we need to believe for. It's what we need to prepare for. And I want us to be a church that is prepared and ready to be able to do something with the lost generation know what to do with them, know how to take them through a discipleship journey. It means effort. <clears throat> it means time. It means investing. But it means growth. See, some of those people who, need, who, who are in Egypt right now, it's metaphorically, they went back to what their parents were saved out of. Maybe you, you've seen that happen. 
Egypt represents going back to what we were saved out of. But in this case, the generations, they're going back to what their parents were saved out of. It says that some are going to come out of Assyria. That represents those who have been taken by idols. So they might have grown up in the house of God, might have followed the Lord, but something has come and distracted their attention. So they began to give their their time, their effort, their worship to something else. Maybe it was sport or a job, a career or even stuff, who knows what, money. They've been sidetracked by idols, kept captive by idols. See, Jesus' plan is to bring them out of that, is to bring them out of, bring them back in and resettle them in the house of God. That's our job, church, to work with Jesus to bring them out of, bring them back in and resettle them in the house of God. Will you stand with me today? We want to be a church that causes babies to win over vipers. Babies and vipers, and the babies win. That is like the most crazy story. Babies and vipers, and the babies win. Because they are filled as the waters fill the sea. The knowledge of God is filling their lives. The knowledge of God is filling their church. The knowledge of God is filling their school. Can we pray tonight? And I pray that this message may not have made sense to your mind, but I hope it makes a lot of sense to your heart. It makes a lot of sense to your spirit. That it doesn't impart information, but it imparts inspiration to who we are and what we can do to the generations. So I want to pray for kids tonight. We don't want to make this, you know, creepy or weird. But maybe if just one or two people could just get with a kid, whoever they are, and just put your hand on them as I pray. We're going to pray for kids here in the room, anyone under the age of 12. People could just get with them. Father, I just pray for these kids. Lord, I pray for a generation that will be disciples in the house of God. I pray, Lord God, that they won't be sidetracked. As we've seen generation after generation, I pray, Lord God, for those points of disconnection that we've seen in the past will be points of connection, will be points where they go higher, where they expect more. So, Father, we just pray for an expectation to come into their hearts. I pray also for others who will say, I want to disciple these kids. I want to impart the spiritual power of God into their lives so that they can handle the snakes of life. They can handle the the spirits of serpents and be the winner. So we just pray over them today and bless them in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray tonight marks a breakthrough in our church, a change. I just want to take a moment to pray for our kids' church leaders and our youth pastors and all those from toddlers on. And perhaps you pray with me tonight as we pray for them. Kirsten 
is in the, the parents' room there. She's about to have another baby. <clears throat> but we're going to pray right now for all our kids' workers, for our toddlers' team. Someone can get around Alicia down there, for any other kids' workers or <clears throat> toddlers' team. Where's Natasha? She was here somewhere. Oh, she's at the back. Okay, get her. Get her to... If you're, not, if you're a part of that team and you've got no one with you, just put your hand right up and we'll pray with you. Father, we pray for our, our team, our generations, team leaders. I pray for your spirit to walk, work through them, that they do, don't just prepare for a Sunday morning, that they don't just prepare for, a, for a, a, a lesson. But Father, I pray something of the Holy Ghost gets upon them that they say, God, my job is to impart faith, impart vision to prophesy, to speak life, to speak direction, to bring clarity spiritually into these young people. And Lord, I pray that their efforts will be rewarded, that they'll have young people saying, thank you for teaching me. Thank you for training me. Thank you for giving me that time. Lord, and I pray for creativity and wisdom as well as we deal in these areas of life, in these areas of ministry. Father, it is ministry that we want to see as a blessing to the kingdom of God in years to come in Jesus' name. So, Father, we want to see generations making disciples for a lifetime of ministry. Why don't we just gather around again together because we're going to pray for our families and for our parents. We need to have wisdom as parents in these days because I can tell you something Things are not going to get easier. They're going to get more complicated. <clears throat> Things are not going to get, you know, um, more casual. They're going to get more crazy. And we need to be prepared for that as parents. And we need to be digging wells of faith. We need to be digging wells of holiness. We need to be dig digging wells of, of the Word of God over our families. And it starts with ourselves. Well, I, I can tell you, my dad wasn't the greatest the greatest role model as a Christian past, uh, a father. But he was working things out himself. He didn't have it all right. He did lots of stuff wrong, I've got to say. And he knows that. But at the same time, he was working his own way out to God. And I would come home from school. He had a fruit shop. And I'd have to go to the fruit shop and work. And I would get there in the afternoon. And like, he's messed up. But he'd have his Bible out. And he'd been reading the Bible because he's trying to work it out. He's trying to get better. And you know, I look back now and I used to think, man, you're a hypocrite. I think, you're not saved. I didn't even tell him, you're not saved. You're reading your Bible. You do all this other crazy stuff in your life. But you know what? He's trying to work it out. And I stand here today because I had a dad who tried to work it out. Because although there was many other things wrong, he was trying to get things right. He's trying to do it right in himself. And your kids need to see you in the Word of God. I think the biggest deficit we have in in Christian families is they, they don't never see their parents read the Bible. They never see their parents praying. We need to see that. We need to, we need to be that to our kids. Don't be embarrassed to get the Bible on the kitchen table and just have your own devotion time. Let the kids see it. It'll do them good. <clears throat> It'll bless you. You'll grow and you'll start to work some stuff out doesn't mean we're waiting to be perfect to be the greatest parent we just have to have an attitude God I just want to work it out 
work on me. So Father, I pray for our families and for our parents. I pray for every family in One Heart Church, those who are represented here and those who are not here. And I pray and intercede right now for a burden to come onto our, into our hearts and into our church that we may pursue after Jesus, that we may pursue after the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, we don't want to wait for perfect, pardon me, for perfect conditions. But we want to pray, Lord God, that you help us work it out. Help us to work out our, our issues, but we're going to pursue after you anyway. We're not going to give up. We're not going to hold back. We're going to push through. Father, we want to get a generation making room. We want to get ready for those who are coming back, for those who have been lost and those who have been broken. Father, I pray that we be a church that is filled of people just trying to work it out. And Lord, I pray that we'll see miracles. We'll see signs and wonders. We'll see families serving together in the house of God, seeing breakthroughs, seeing miracles, seeing your hand move. Oh, we thank you for that tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Guys, I'm going to ask you to lead us in some worship. We've still got a little bit of time. If you want prayer, then I'm going to invite you to come on out the front and we'll pray with you and just encourage you. Uh, I had a some kind of chicken Kiev or something for dinner so there'll be extra extra flavor in my prayer for you today but I just want to encourage you if you, if you need your breakthrough if you're concerned for your family if you're getting a burden upon you is hey maybe God's calling me to, to be a generational leader in the house of God then let's pray for you let's anoint you let's believe with you for what God wants to do next in your life and maybe you're a person who you can encourage others. Then come forward. We love to pray with you and see your breakthrough. But if you, you know, if you just want to worship and spend some time in the presence, or if you have a word for someone here tonight and you want to encourage them, then now's the time. Walk across the room, lay hands on them, pray with them, encourage one another, and uh, let's see what God does with us in Jesus' name. Thanks, Ruth. I just want to...